Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Good morning. 34 years ago, I got my first pair of prescription glasses. Road signs in the distance had become fuzzy as were the words on pages of books that I loved to read. I'd always had great visual perception, but that all changed. My point? Seeing matters. Then there's psychiatrists and psychologists. Some people feel they can see right through us. I I still feel that way to a point. They have an uncanny ability to see in me what I miss in myself. I need their input. Again, the point, seeing matters. The ability to see is a gift. But we must remember that we don't see it all. None of us ever do. Check with several people who witness an accident and discover how they all see something just a little different from each other. Remember that. That concept will come up again in this sermon and throughout this preaching series. In our world, there are some people who have a special gift of seeing. In the Old Testament, prophets were revered and sometimes also hated for their ability to predict the future. They could see it. In the New Testament, prophecy is more about perceiving God's will rather than a prediction of what will happen in the days ahead. Perception, a type of seeing, may include some prediction. But my point is that predicting is a byproduct of the gift of perceiving and not its core. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, the first of the gifts of the Spirit mentioned is prophesying. Over many years of ministry, I've come to call this gift perception. John the Baptist is a great example of this gift in action. John the Baptist was a perceiver. He displays the characteristics of a person gifted as a perceiver, also known as prophet. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. I will begin reading at verse 2. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He, that is John the Baptist, went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A perceiver calls for repentance. God's will is that people will turn from their sin. Repentance is the first step we can take. And by repentance, we own up to who we are and from whatever direction we've been going, and we turn toward God and go God's way. Let us continue now in verse 7 of Luke 3. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to free from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. A second point of a perceiver? A perceiver wants evidence of repentance. God's will is that our lives produce attitudes and language and behavior that verifies that we are going in a new direction, that we are moving toward God, that we are walking 
alongside his son Jesus, who leads the way. The idea of Abraham as father may not do much for us because most of us are not Jewish. Today the message might be, well, I was baptized, or I attend worship. As good as those are, they are not the evidence of a truly repentant life. Have I changed? Am I becoming more like Jesus, humble, gracious, honest, compassionate, forgiving, to name a few changes that reveals if we are becoming like him? We continue in verse 10 of Luke 3. What should we do then, the crowd asked. The third note of a perceiver is that a perceiver is persuasive. The persuasiveness is not that they can talk us into something we do not need. It is that they tell people the truth. And when the truth is said, when God's will is pointed out clearly, people will ponder and often will ask questions. We continue in verse 11 of Luke 3. John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. You see, a perceiver seeks results. Three results come in a row in this text. First, John identifies what is wrong, what needs to be changed, is selfishness. And then John identifies what is right, God's intended behavior. Sharing. The simple evidence of repentance for those who hoard and hold is to share. You see, the gospel is not really complicated. And I must also say, it's often not that easy. We continue reading at verse 12 for the second result. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. John identifies the need to be changed as graft or cheating. And he identifies what is right, what is God's intended behavior, fairness as a tax collector. Verse 14, then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. John identifies what is wrong, the misuse, the intimidation, the abuse of power. And John identifies what is right. God's intended behavior, truthfulness, and contentment. I continue reading now at verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Again, we see the persuasiveness of John the Baptist, one of the traits of a perceiver. And now the crowd is wondering if he might be the promised Messiah. The perceiver knows and focuses on God's plan. John is clear. He's concise. Basically, he says, I am not the Messiah. And John is equally clear. The Messiah, however, is coming. And John knows his place, his position in God's plan to call people to repentance so that they will be ready for the Messiah's coming. We continue now in Luke 3, verse 18. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked 
John up in prison. The sixth trait of a perceiver is that they are outspoken and they are frank. John speaks out the truth to Herod. It costs him his freedom. But to the perceiver, truth is more important than freedom. The emphasis here is that John was willing to be, not willing just to be an outspoken and frank person of people who needed help, but people of power as well. And he was giving it to those even who did not come asking his opinion. In summary, perceivers call for repentance, for change. Perceivers want evidence of repentance. How is the change actually being accomplished? Perceivers are persuasive. Perceivers seek results. Perceivers know and focus on God's plan, and perceivers can be outspoken and frank. Now, I must be clear. There are people who think they are perceivers, and they are probably not. Or there are people who think they are perceivers, and they may be, but they're outside of God's will. Whenever a God-gifted person begins to operate outside of God's will or lordship in their life, we find problems. So perceivers can have shortcomings. Their greatest asset, their gift, becomes their greatest liability and even their downfall. Before I look at three such shortcomings in the life of perceivers, I want to remind us all that none of these gifts is never meant to function on its own outside the context nor the accountability of the whole church, the whole body of Christ. This is the safeguard our Lord has made for these gifts to continue being spiritual gifts dispensed by him as opposed to what we try to do on our own. Shortcoming number one, perceivers can be blunt and judgmental. Jonah is an example of the struggle with this problem. You see, the story of Jonah is not so much about his disobedience as it is his judgmentalism. Jonah had concluded that the people of Nineveh were enemies of the people of God, and therefore the enemies of God, and therefore were expendable. Perceivers, outside of the direction of the Holy Spirit, in other words, who are on their own, tend to come to conclusions and not solutions, and certainly not to all the steps needed to get a godly goal accomplished. Shortcoming number two, perceivers can be pushy in trying to get others to mature spiritually. I had a good friend in California in one of the churches I served. She would diligently push people into groups, into retreats, into growth opportunities. She identified shortcomings in people's lives and gave her conclusions for them. People did not invite her opinion, but everyone got her opinion. She never understood why people avoided her, blaming it on the work of the devil. Her pushiness was outside the bounds of the spiritual gifts practice. Shortcoming number three. Perceivers can be intolerant of opinions that differ from their own. Let me tell you about Sam and Sue, not their real names. Sam was a self-declared perceiver and was significantly intolerant. Sue was a very compassionate person, but easily intimidated. Sam came identifying Sue as the problem. She needed to do what he said. After all, he was the head of the home and used the scripture to verify his position and place of power. Sam, however, fell quite short of the scripture when it came to the character of the head of the home and what the Bible teaches about being a Christian husband. 
The pastor listened to Sam as he went on and on about his wife's failings and his place at the head of the home. Sue said nothing, even when prompted. The pastor began to point out to Sam some other ways to think and view things, and certainly different ways to act. They never returned. You see, some perceivers demand their ways and use their own presence or absence to get their way. Other perceivers can become passive-aggressive. They shut down, silently encouraging failure, and then speaking out when failure comes, if you'd only listen to me. We must remember that these spiritual gifts are gifts of the Holy Spirit, given by him to make us and the family of God more like Jesus in our personal life together. When we venture on our own, we quickly get out of step both with God and God's plan for our life. This is true for individuals. It is true for the local church. While not all Christians, and not even most Christians, are perceivers, it is possible to become apt at perceiving God's will and God's ways. Let me give you a couple of steps. We become apt at perceiving by listening. I've said this before. I will probably say it again. When I'm talking, I'm not learning. God created us with two ears and one mouth. There's a concept there we should consider. Also, we become apt at perceiving by using our eyes to observe, which is a visual form of listening. Watch nature. See how it works, the balance, the beauty, the diversity. It's amazing what we can learn by observing the creation. Watch people. Note the language of their eyes, their expressions, and their body. I must say to you at this point, I miss that each Sunday. I'm used to watching you as I look out across the congregation. Some of you are intent, you're focused, you're grabbing hold of everything that's happening and everything that's said. Some of you are distracted, looking around, checking your phones, and all kinds of other things. Some of you have closed your eyes. Perhaps you're praying, or perhaps you finished the sermon before I did. Either way, I do miss you very much, no matter which description may fit you on a given Sunday. A third way of becoming apt at perceiving is by praying as a first response to what we see and hear. Give the problem, give the person to God. Only God can change a life. Only God can mend a heart. Begin with intercession, not with interference. Don't give them an answer first. Pray to God for his answer. While there are times when confrontation is necessary, it must be preceded by intercession. I need perceivers in my life to see God's will for me, to call me on account for repentance in my life, to demand fruit in keeping with repentance, to teach me how to listen and to watch, to urge prayer as my first response to everything. I need perceivers in my life. The body of Christ, the church, Bethany Covenant Church, needs perceivers in its life for the same reasons, because, my friends, seeing matters. People with this gift will help us see God's will. And isn't that what we all seek to strive for? 
May God raise up perceivers in our midst. Some of us even. May God unlock by his Holy Spirit that gift given to us. Let us pray. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth you have for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, your will to see. Open my eyes. Illumine me, Spirit divine. Do this, Father, for me and my friends today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.